Hey now, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. You're not doing enough to protect yourself from people who wanna take away everything that you built. I meet with business owners all the time and my friends who are entrepreneurs, we hang out all the time. And one of the things I talk to them about is the steps that they've taken to protect the assets they've accumulated over the years from people who may sue them. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Dave, I'm never gonna get sued. And I hope that's true. But if you're an independent professional, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a doctor, or you're someone who's high profile, you're in the public eye, you're a target. Why not do everything you can to minimize the risk that you're exposed to on a day-to-day -day basis from a lawsuit. Also, make sure that you've set everything up exactly the way you want it so that when you're ready to think about your legacy, you know where all your assets are gonna go. Well, I have the exact person for us to talk to today. I've got the exact guy we should be discussing these issues with. His name is Rodney Hatley, and he's an expert in estate planning and asset protection. Please join me in welcoming Rod to the Inside BS Show. Rod, thank you so much for joining us here today. Dave, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's get started by explaining to people how, how you got into this in the first place. What made you decide that you wanted to help people protect their assets and plan their legacy plan for what happens with their assets after they're gone from this earth? What got you into this in the first place? Great question. Let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, former Navy JAG, so if you ever saw the movie A Few Good Men, that's what I used to do years ago. And what happened, uh, my father, who had been a successful businessman, um, had leukemia, and so he was making emotional decisions at that point in his life. I knew enough about estate planning as a criminal defense attorney in the Navy JAG Corps to be dangerous, but I at least knew enough to know, Dad, we've got to do more planning. Uh, the challenge was, because Dad was sick, he was making emotional decisions at that point. So he did have a simple will, and that's better than nothing, but here's the big insight. Wills go through probate. So in my father's case, after he passed away, my sister and I went through a seven-year probate back in my hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. And I know that's not what Deb would have wanted for us, but because he was ill, he was making those emotional decisions. So I realized in the middle of all that, there had to have been a better, smarter way to have uh, planned than what we were going through. So when I came off of active duty, uh, I got an additional law degree in tax law because I really wanted to be able to help people avoid uh, probate and the taxes that can follow along with that, if, especially if it's a higher net worth estate. So, and then I transitioned into private practice, and this is really where I think I can make a difference. I mean, I enjoyed my time in the Navy JAG Corps. Uh, I was a criminal defense attorney, enjoyed that work, a lot of fun, but I was always in a reactive mode. So, you know, you'd have to sit the client down and say, well, this is the evidence against you. You know, I'll do everything I can to minimize uh, what's about to happen to you, but there may not be a lot that we can do together. But doing the estate planning and also the asset protection planning and even the tax planning, I get to be proactive. I like that a lot more. Hope that helps. No, that's great. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you for, thank you. Uh, for doing that for the country and for us. Um, 
and being part of the JAG Corps is a great way to get experience no in a courtroom, right? You must sure. have you must have seen a lot of uh, quote unquote legal action. Oh yeah, I I got plenty of trigger time. I have eighty four courts and boards under my belt, so a lot of experience. But as I say, I was always in a reactive mode. So uh, you know, you do the best you can, and you learn to savor the small victories. But uh, you know, I like to be proactive if I can. So. Uh, working with the clients that I'm privileged to serve, I think it's a lot more it's a lot more fun for me, and it's a lot better result for them and for their families if we can get out ahead of uh, any potential issues and either nullify them or greatly minimize uh, their impact to the family. Sure, no, I appreciate that. So, Rod, uh, talk to me about asset protection. Right? Yeah. Was I was I really exaggerating? I mean, no. that's you know, as far as as far as I'm concerned, as a business owner, my greatest fear is that my time and resources are going to be taken up defending a lawsuit that really is kind of a nuisance. Um, what's your experience? Is, is it should we be thinking about protecting our assets if we're entrepreneurs and independent professionals? Absolutely. And we're back with another Sandrowski Business Minute. And here with today's minute is my friend, John Alfonsi. So John, when is the best time and when is the worst time to sell a stock? If you're talking publicly traded stock, Dave, the old adage is buy low, sell high. Unless you're trying to short sell, then you want to do the opposite, buy high and sell low. Um, if you're dealing with a privately held business, there really is no best or worst time to sell the business other than the worst time would be if it's a forced sale. Um, if you wait too long for something to happen, um, get your ducks in order early, plan for succession or the transition of the business early. If you're talking about publicly traded stock, um, if you're trying to what we call tax harvest losses, when you're trying to sell uh, stocks at a loss to offset the gains, the worst thing that you could do is to sell your stocks at a gain in year one and sell the stocks at a loss in year two. The reason being you can't carry back capital losses, you can only carry them forward. So the best thing to do would be to sell your gains and your loss stocks in the same year, but if you can't otherwise do that, sell your loss stocks first because capital losses can be carried forward, then you can always use them to offset the gains in future years. Wow, that's great advice, John. All right, if people want direct contact with you to ask this or any other business-related question when it comes to evaluation, how can they get a hold of you? You can reach us at our toll-free number of 866-717-1607 or reach us at our website, ccaadvisors.com or email me at jta at sensel, C-E-N-D-S-E-L.com. All right, folks, that'll do it for this edition of the Sandrowski Business Minute. Thanks to John Alfonsi. We'll see you back here again with another Business Minute tomorrow. But remember... Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, they are a CPA firm with a different perspective. Um, and, you know, there's a ladder of asset protection that uh, we step the clients up. Uh, I mean, to begin with, I mean, if you're a business owner, if you're a professional, uh, first of all, you should have good uh, liability insurance. Okay, so there's a bucket of money to make somebody whole if you make a mistake or uh, you injure somebody through your uh, negligence or what have you. But then uh, understand that any insurance policy, there are two issues with it. First of all, it has a cap. 
So there's an upward limit on what you, you know, can pay out. And then second, it may have a policy exclusion. So you may not have the coverage you think you have. So uh, the asset protection that we can advise clients about um, goes over and above the uh, insurance policy and it provides even more protection because the protection can then be unlimited and there aren't exclusions. Although it's a great answer to have good liability insurance, but that's a start. That's the first rung up the ladder. And then you can start going up the ladder of asset protection with uh, additional uh, planning uh, strategies uh, that take advantage of the laws as they're written. So one of the things that I talk about with my clients all the time, I focus on getting them to separate their intellectual property and put their intellectual property in a we in a separate vehicle, like a special purpose entity, like a limited liability company. And of course, then that limited liability company has to have all their documents done correctly. Right. They have to have a, you know, you have to have a lease back then to your main operating entity. Um, what are some of the assets in in the garden variety business and the regular business that you advise should be separated out from the operating entity? Well, you're going to have various bank accounts. Uh, you're going to have, and we've you've already talked about the intellectual property. That's a, a big one. Um, there's also uh, any uh, trade secrets that you might have, um, not just the intellectual property, but also, uh, you know, have you come up with a new a way to do business or a new way to take care of clients or customers. Uh, that's something that you would want to protect because that's your intellectual property, but that's something that you know we might want to talk about how we could structure um, you know the planning for it so that we're safeguarding that. And then of course, as you may take on uh, you know employees, they sign non-disclosure agreements, et cetera. Uh, so you have a cause of action against them if they later you know, take your secrets and now they're trying to use them to, for their own benefit or to build their own competing business out there in the real world. So, you know, you've, you've hit on one of the biggest ones, though, and that is the intellectual property, uh, which is so valuable because, you know, you might have the one great idea in a lifetime, but if you don't take care of that, then you've really um, hurt yourself unnecessarily and you may not ever have another great idea. And so you know, then you're tied up in litigation for years and, you know, nobody really wins that. So um, I always recommend, you know, talk to a good estate planning and asset protection attorney to make sure that, you know, your business is carefully thought through. And if you've got a business attorney, I think that, you know, the estate planning and asset protection attorney ought to be part of um, that uh, advisory team because it can make a real difference. And because then the attorneys are talking to each other and they're uh, coordinating efforts on behalf of the client. Hope that makes sense. No, it makes it makes perfect sense. Uh, those of you who are who are listening and watching, we're talking to Rod Hatley. He's an estate planning and asset protection attorney in San Diego. You can reach out to him at 858-465-8001, 858-465-8001. So Rod, talk about, uh, set, so you set up these these uh, different structures sure. and you know, my advice is always find a good attorney to, yeah. to do this for you. But you know, for the do-it-yourselfer who's out there listening, yeah. explain th the importance of taking a special purpose entity and like fully fund, making a, putting a bank account together, doing your annual documents mm -hmm. the right way. Yeah. Explain to people that this is uh, this is a real thing. This is not, if you treat it half-heartedly, it's not going to offer you the protection you want. Explain to people the importance of that, please. Sure. I mean, I think you've really hit on it, Dave. I mean, if, if you set these things up the right way, 
then you take it seriously. You do your annual, let's say you have a corporation, you're doing your annual minutes and meetings of the shareholders and the board of directors, etc. If you're taking it very seriously, you're showing to a court later, you know what, Your Honor, this is not an alter ego of me as the business owner or the entrepreneur. I take this seriously. This is separate and apart from me, and I treat it as such. And, uh, you know, we are on the record. We've had our annual board meeting, and here are the minutes from that meeting, etc. You're just making a very strong case to any trier of fact later on uh, that, you know, this really is a separate entity from you, and it's not just your personal piggy bank. So, you know, and, and the biggest challenge I think that we have as attorneys is getting the clients to come back in on a regular basis, whether it's a foundational estate plan, which I recommend be reviewed at least every three years because we know there'll be changes in the law, there might be changes in the client's uh, personal family situation, etc. But also for the business too, uh, making sure that, you know, if an annual meeting is required, you're having that annual meeting and, you know, you're reporting the minutes appropriately, etc. Because then, you know, it just takes a lawsuit to mess everything up. And then if you haven't been keeping it updated and current, that is to say your business and the corporate meeting minutes, etc., it's it's a weaker case to argue to the court, well, you know, this really is something separate and apart from me when, you know, you haven't been treating it like that. So, you know, actions always speak louder than words. So you've got to make sure you're uh, putting a plan in place and keeping the plan, whether it's an estate plan or a business plan or an asset protection plan, keeping it updated and maintained going forward. That makes a stronger appearance to the court that you really do take this stuff seriously. All right. So, Rod, what, what documents must be included or what do you advise your clients need to be included in just a basic estate plan? So uh, somebody walks okay. into your office and they're, you know, they've just gotten married, let's say, okay. and they um, they sit down with you. What are the basic documents that you'd recommend for them? Great question. Um, if they're homeowners, then I certainly, at least here in California, I would recommend that they have a living trust. Um, if the home is owned by that living trust, uh, I'll pick on myself. Uh, if I'm driving home tonight and I get into a bad car wreck, let's say I'm mentally incapacitated as a result of my injury. If I didn't have a plan in place, and so that you know, I do, but if I didn't, at some point, uh, someone's going to need my signature. And the way they're going to get it is they put me in front of the probate court judge and they say, Your Honor, this is Rod. He's incompetent now to manage his affairs. Please appoint me, some third person, to be his conservator, which is a guardian for a grown person. So having a living trust in place uh, avoids me ever having to go through the conservatorship process. And someday when I pass on, assets that are owned by my living trust, my condo, bank accounts, brokerage accounts, etc., will never have to go through the probate process. And that's a much better answer. Having gone through a seven-year probate in my own personal situation with my father, I don't want that for my clients. So I say, look, let's get out ahead of this and let's put a good plan in place. That good plan will include a trust-centered plan if they own real property, uh, a power of attorney. Uh, let's say that I meant to put everything into my living trust, but for whatever reason, I just got busy, life got in the way, it happens. And now suddenly I'm incapacitated and um, there's an asset in my name that should go into the trust. Well, I've appointed people that I trust. These are my agents under my power of attorney. They can act on my behalf and they can transfer those assets into the trust on my behalf, which is what I would have done if I could have. Uh, and I trust them to do that on my behalf too. So uh, that's a great answer. Um, 
Another, uh, the flip side of that, well, okay, I just shared with you, if I'm incapacitated, but there's an asset in my name, the power of attorney puts that into uh, my living trust. But what if um, I'm out of the picture forever and uh, there's an asset in my name? Having what we call a will, we call it a pour over will, at least in my practice, we call it a pour over will. It basically acts as a safety net to catch that asset and it will send it over to my trust uh, if it had to go through the formal probate process, and if it doesn't, then the, um, the personal representative under the will can get that asset transferred into the trust for ultimate distribution out to my beneficiaries, which is what I would want to do anyway. Um, also, uh, we've been living in a pandemic, uh, so uh, a health care directive and a HIPAA authorization are really key documents to have. Um, in California, the health care directive basically does a couple of things. First of all, if I'm in a persistent vegetative state or an irreversible coma, and it's clear I'm never going to come out of it, I don't want to be kept alive artificially. So uh, I'm happy to say, look, just if, if it's clear that I'm never, never going to recover, then you know, don't keep me alive artificially. Uh, go ahead and pull the plug. And also, I'm a big believer, for myself anyway, that if any of my organs could be harvested for transplant purposes to make someone else's life better, totally in favor of that. Uh, and also the HIPAA authorization. Now HIPAA is federal law and what it basically says is it's a felony uh, for a hospital to release my personal protected uh, medical information to people who have not otherwise been authorized to receive it. So uh, usually you'll see that the healthcare directive, the agents under my healthcare directive are going to be the same people as my successor trustees and also as the agents under the healthcare directive. So they, they, there is a symmetry uh, between those documents. And then also uh, what I do, um, I, there's a service that I subscribe to and I do this for all of my clients. I have it for myself and I get it for all of my clients. Uh, in an emergency, um, my healthcare directive and my HIP authorization are probably not gonna be readily available. So I keep in my wallet next to my health insurance card and my driver's license a card um, that has a toll-free number that can be reached 24-7, 365, and a copy of my healthcare directive and my HIPAA authorization can be faxed over to the hospital so that my agents can uh, receive those documents and then act on my desires as I've expressed them. So, uh, and I do... Wow, that's, that's really... Is that a service you subscribe to? How did you get... That's a really good thing to have. How did you get that? Uh, it's a company that I've been aware of, and I... I I, I, subscribed, started, I subscribed for my own personal benefit some years ago, and then it just made sense to me. I said, you know, why, why am I not doing this for my clients? And I just say, look, you know, this is something I provide, and I make the membership good for three years because by the end of three years, we ought to be talking to the clients anyway because there's no way that you can write an estate plan one time that takes care of everything for all time. So it makes a lot of sense. Get out ahead of this. Put a great plan in place. Keep it updated and maintained. And also make sure that in the event of an emergency, those important healthcare documents can be accessed. And if the fax machine isn't working, then there's a special code on the card that the, uh, that the agents or the hospital uh, can go to the website. They can download my documents by putting in that special code. And then those documents are available for the agents to take uh, care of me while I'm uh, un unable to act for myself. No, that's a that's a fantastic idea. I really I really like that. What what are some of the more common mistakes people make with their estate plans, Rod? Uh, great question. Uh, there, we are a devout nation of do-it-yourselfers. We love to do it ourselves. But here's the reality: 
a lot of the, your listeners don't know what they don't know about the law. And there are even attorneys who don't know what they don't know about the law. But more so, um, the average person out there, uh, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. So uh, there are companies where you can get these documents. I'm not going to name names. You can probably guess who they are. But anyway, and for a price you can, you know, a very uh, relatively cheap price, you can get these documents. The, the challenge I found is that people don't know how to execute them correctly, so they really don't do them any good. And even if they have executed them correctly, okay, nothing, nothing goes into the trust because the clients didn't know how. Well, how do I put that home or that rental property or that bank or brokerage account into the trust? They never figured that out. So basically, they paid for a stack of papers that does them no good at all. So that's a frustration, and we I've seen cases like that. Uh, another challenge that people have, let's say they work with an attorney, okay, and they get a good plan put in place, but it's years since uh, from the time they got it implemented to the now, uh, sorry, to now they're, you know, maybe getting it updated. I mean, and luckily nothing bad has happened, but um, keeping the plan updated and maintained going forward makes a lot of sense. So in the event of a disability, a mental disability, or when death comes, it's a much cleaner plan to administer takes less time, it's less less of an investment on the back end to do this, and we think, you know, that can make a lot of sense to, to have that plan updated, maintained, and then, or just getting no plan at all. Uh, clients just say, well, you know, I'm going to live forever. You know, of course, that's silly, but, um, you know, there are people that just think, and, I, and even uh, very successful clients I, I've had the privilege to work with, nothing in place. I mean, absolutely nothing. And I'm just flabbergasted that they just never got around to it. And, you know, luckily nothing bad had happened in the meantime, but, you know, I just recommend, you know, uh, get a plan in place and keep it updated, maintained, and, you know, and if asset protection is going to be a part of that conversation, make sure that you follow the balancing ball. What are the requirements of law? You have to file statements of information every year. If it's a, you know, if it's an LLC or if it's a corporation or whatever, you have to do the things that the state uh, requires. So make sure that you're doing those things keep your plans in place, keep them updated, keep them effective. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes makes perfect sense. Um, let's let's get into a little bit about some of the some of the kind of cool things. I think they're cool anyway. You can do with the tools that you have available to you. So if you were, you know, if you were my attorney, for example, if I wanted to purchase a piece of property but um, make sure that my name and information remain private. You could help me do that, right? Explain to people how you would how you would uh, how you would help with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it depends on the jurisdiction. I mean, here in California, uh, you know, we would take a look at uh, setting up, for example, uh, a limited liability company would probably be a good answer. And uh, depending on where we base that LLC, uh, that would keep uh, your information private. Uh, so that, it, let's say it's an investment property, a multifamily unit, or what have you, goes into an LLC. Maybe you base that LLC out of state of California, maybe in another jurisdiction, uh, that has great privacy laws. And so that way, you know, if someone attempts to sue you, you know, let's say you injure somebody on the highway or whatever, when they do an asset search, they're going to say, well, you know, we could sue Dave, but gosh, he really doesn't own anything. You know, because, I mean, how are we ever going to pass the pay window if we get a judgment against Dave? Or if they have to go to a foreign jurisdiction, like, for example, I don't know, I don't mean overseas. I mean uh, another state like Wyoming or Nevada, which have great laws, by the way. 
um, you have to, they'd have to get a judgment here and they'd have to go to that jurisdiction and attempt to enroll that judgment. But the laws are written in such a way that the most that that successful uh, judgment creditor can get uh, is simply a piece of paper that says they're entitled to money. But you as the manager of the LLC, you might say, well, you know, we're not going to make distributions this year. So that can really force a settlement of that case and probably for pennies on the dollar uh, than if nothing had been done to begin with. So um, an LLC can make a lot of sense. Um, and if we put it in a jurisdiction where um, privacy laws are paramount, uh, that can be a great answer for the client and they can have the peace of mind of knowing if they ever get sued. Um, the, you know, it, well, they can be sued, but you know, it's gonna be really hard for that uh, plaintiff to go after the assets. Yeah, I think one of the great points that you raised in there is, and people maybe most people don't know this, a lot of times smart people before they become a plaintiff in a lawsuit will do some sort of an asset search mm -hmm. to determine yeah. whether it's worth investing in an attorney, investing the time sure. and effort it takes to go after that person. And, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, Rod, and I'm curious about your your opinion on this. Okay. I tell people all the time that asset protection is not about coming up with the perfect scheme to make you completely bulletproof. Because if yeah. anybody works hard enough, they're going to find yeah. your stuff. Right. The, the asset protection plan, the asset protection scheme is designed to throw up so many barriers that somebody would just say, I'm going to move on. Yeah. I'm going to sue the next guy because <laughs> this guy is going to be a real pain in the neck yeah. for me to for me to penetrate his asset protection plan. What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I don't think I could say it any better. Uh, I'll say it this way. Uh, asset protection is not about hiding anything. It's not about evading taxes. Uh, I can help, as the tax lawyer, I can help clients avoid taxes, but I won't help you evade taxes. And the natural question is, well, what's the difference? And I say it's probably about a year for every offense. Anyway, the, uh, the idea, though, is... Um, Asset protection is nothing more and nothing less than simply structuring the ownership of the assets so that they're safeguarded from risk. Now, you know, we can, you know, put all kinds of embellishments on these asset protection plans, but it's probably, what we're really seeking to do, and you said it really well, we're trying to put enough hurdles that the um, plaintiff either never undertakes to sue because they realize usually the attorney that's doing his or her due diligence will realize well you know we could sue Dave but gosh he really doesn't own anything so how would we ever pass the pay window uh, or if there's a motion behind the lawsuit at some point in the future uh, the attorney for the plaintiff has to sit him or her down and say look you know we're spending time talent and treasure to go after Dave and we don't think there's going to be a great possibility of, of uh, or likelihood of um, collecting on this. So why don't we see if we can talk settlement just so that we can, you know, get something. Uh, we can get paid as the attorneys. You get something to you know, make you somewhat whole, and life goes on. So I think yeah. I think you've really hit on it, and you've said it as well as I could probably say it, maybe better in some ways, because you're not a lawyer and you don't have all the brain damage I have from, you know, all those years of law school. Well, and I've got I've got practical experience, and I know the threshold at which people give up, and it's pretty low, Rod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you make them jump through two or three hoops, and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Exactly, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And that's the idea is just so, to make it challenging for them. Yeah, I mean, there there's plenty of people you can sue who's not going to make you work as hard as I'm going to make you work. So exactly. go sue them. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> All right, Rod. So uh, take a minute now, and I want you to think of three things okay. that people who are listening to the show, watching the show, three things they should take away. While you're thinking about that, okay. I'm going to remind folks that we're brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. Earlier in the show, you got to experience a Sandrowski Business Minute. You saw a great uh, a great lesson that one of our Sandrowski experts was able to teach us earlier today. If you want to reach out to the folks at Sandrowski, let's say you want to do some advanced tax planning, or you're a family of wealth and you want to set up a family office, or you're interested in getting into private equity and you need an accounting firm to advise you, this is what Sandrowski does. I want you to reach out to them at 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, they're a CPA firm with a different perspective. We're also brought to you by My Revenue Roadmap Guide. You're a professional, you want to grow your business, and you need a business development plan to keep you on track. Now, you believe what I believe, what the folks that I speak with believe, that relationships are the best way to grow your business. So if you're looking for a relationship-based business development plan, look no further. I've got a gift for you today that's going to help you get off on the right foot. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to this website, revenueroadmapguide.com, revenueroadmapguide.com. All those words run together. There, you'll be able to enter your contact information and download a free guide to your business development plan. This is the same guide I use with my clients. I customize it for them. You can customize it for yourself. Go to Revenue Roadmap Guide today. Enter your contact info. Download your free business development plan. You're going to be glad you did. It's my gift to you for listening and for watching the show. My guest today is Rod Hatley. You can reach out to him by calling 858 4658001 I'm putting his email address down in the show notes. You can email him there. Also, his website, hatleylawgroup.com, is down in the show notes as well. You can click on that and check out all Rod has to offer on his website. Okay, Rod. Yeah. What are the three things we should take away from our time together today? Thanks for asking. Uh, First of all, if you don't have a plan in place, let me encourage you, get one. Uh, because all of us are going to pass away at some point, and some of us may have a period of mental disability in our lives. So having a plan in place will avoid the uh, conservatorship and ultimately the probate that can take time and cost money and be a matter of public record. That's so easy to avoid if you can just get out ahead of it. Uh, The second idea is once you get a plan in place, keep it updated, keep it maintained, Make sure that as you go through the years, you're reviewing it with your attorney so that you're not missing opportunities because we know the laws will change. We know that your personal situation will change. And hey, here's a big insight. I actually get smarter and better as I go through the years. I guess that's why we call it the practice of law. You practice and practice and practice and get better at it. But the idea is um, we learn new techniques all the time that we can bring to the benefit of our clients. So it makes a lot of sense. Keep that plan uh, updated, review it periodically, and then bring it forward. And then finally, um, let's see, uh, I guess for you know asset protection, I, I, I have a phrase that we've trademarked for our firm, which is estate planning viewed through the lens of asset protection. So we think it's important to consider uh, protecting the assets that you've worked a lifetime to acquire and that you want to pass on to your family. I think it's a great idea to have a conversation with your attorney. How can we set up uh, maybe a trust for our kids or our grandkids so that whatever is coming to them 
comes to them in such a way that it's protected from future creditors and creditors, that is to say lawsuits and divorcing spouses. So I think those are some great ideas which I hope are helpful to your listeners. And certainly, if anybody here in California, uh, San Diego, uh, would like to uh, have a conversation, we'd be happy to, to do that. Uh, we always do a 15-minute free consultation to see if we're even a good fit to work together. And if we are, then we can discuss maybe setting up a design meeting. And then if the clients like the design that we come up with, then we can, um, you know, we can draft documents and get, get the plan implemented. Um, but I hope that helps. No, that's wonderful. So, folks, reach out to Rod Hatley. Here's the number again, 858-465-8001, 858-465-8001. Rod, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you on the Inside BS Show. Thanks for having me, Dave. It was a real pleasure to be with you. All righty, folks, that'll do it for this episode of the Inside BS Show. My name is Dave Lorenzo. I'll be back here again tomorrow with another great interview. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.